When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce and I'm so happy that you're here. You guys, this Saturday, we are having an in-person event at Third Eye Lounge. That's this Saturday, the 28th, from 6.30 to 9.30. We're going to uh, kick off with a cacao ceremony to drop into our hearts. I'm going to interview um, Neil and Ash, who, who own the place, but also do some really amazing healings. They're going to lead us through some somatic embodiment. And uh, then we're going to end with ecstatic dance. The most important part of this, though, is that we're raising money for um, Operation Underground Railroad. And their mission is to end sex trafficking, which if you know me, you know that this is the cause that is number one to my heart. So I'd love for you to come out and support us. That's um, this Saturday, August 28th, 630 to 930, Third Eye Meditation Lounge in Austin, Texas. Today, we are having on an award-winning author of eight channeled books, a man who many consider is a radio, one attuned to frequencies that are in consonance with the divine. A spiritual awakening in 1987 left the young NYU instructor with the ability to see the auric field around people. He also became clairaudient, hearing the voice of his guides who are always with him, offering spiritual truths. The guides speak in a flow of channeled information, sharing deep teachings for spiritual evolution that align with inner knowing as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. Described as a medium for the living, he has the unique ability to step into and become the people his clients ask about. He's done so for a few of my family members often taking on their personalities and physical characteristics as he hears them telepathically. Paul's work is widely featured in a variety of media, including ABC News Nightline, Fox News, the biography channel series, The Unexplained, Guyam's TV's Beyond Belief, and the documentary film PGS, Your Personal Guidance System. For me, he is the voice that helps us remember to step into the upper room. He truly is dialed into the highest vibration to bring forth the most pragmatic spiritual truths. He is a dear friend and teacher. So drop in with us today and stay open for this conversation with Paul Selig. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so Paul, um, I've interviewed you a couple of times, but uh, I haven't interviewed you since COVID. So maybe you can catch us up on what that has looked like for you 
what changes it's brought because I know that you moved and a bunch of stuff came with that. Yeah, you know, I was, you know, living in New York City almost my whole life. And I was working in Costa Rica um, last March when New York City shut down. So I wasn't able to go home. And Mm -hmm. I had a friend who was on Maui who found me a tiny house to stay in until things quieted down. And I I never left. So now (laughs) I, I live on Maui. I've moved here for real. And my life is very, very different. And I'm very grateful for the move. The last book was dictated here on this mm-hmm. island. And the guides that I work with are halfway through dictating another one. So wow. you know, it's been productive, um, but it's been a beautiful place to be productive. And I, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. So can you tell us about that, uh, the new book that's coming out? Mm-hmm. Well, the book is called The Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And the guides have been referencing and teaching about the kingdom in preparation for this, I assume, it's pretty common for these guides that I work with to to drop some information and then unpack it in a later book. Um, you know, and as you know, I don't write these books, I'm a channel, so I sit in a chair, I close mm-hmm. my eyes, and you know, they're spoken into being in the transcripts of the sessions, unedited become the books. But the kingdom is speaking to the realization of what the guides call the inherent divine in all manifestation. They've talked about this place they call the upper room, which they say is a level of consciousness or vibration that's available to us Mm -hmm. if we choose to align to it. And they say it's from the upper room that you can have an experience of what they call the kingdom, which is the awareness of God or whatever you want to call God in all manifestation. They say there's one note being played in the whole universe that's outpictured or in articulation is everything we see. So everything is this one node in varying levels of vibration or density. And they say that the re-knowing or the reconciliation of what has been put outside of the light or God or whatever you want to call it to itself is the act of claiming the kingdom or residing at that level of tone or vibration or awareness of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, um, I've had this on my desk for a really long time uh-huh. on the screen there. Yeah. Um, for those listening, it's, it's, um, from one of Paul's workshops that says I am in the upper room. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you talk a lot in that book about embodiment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what exactly does embodiment mean to you? Well, you know, I mean, I can tell you how I understand it as best as anything else. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, when the guides were dictating a book they called the Book of Truth, they started to teach about the body, and they said that our exclusion of the body Mm -hmm. from from God, our belief that we're separate in form from source, has rendered our experience as separate from everything. You know, so if you're denying the God and your fingernails, you know, and your your eyes and your teeth and your body, you're probably also denying it in the ocean and the sky and the earth. You don't sort of get to have one without an awareness of the other. And that was the beginning of the teaching. And what they're talking about now in terms of embodiment is the realization of the inherent divine as who, which is identity, and what, which is form or matter, um, that you are. 
And so the true self, which the guides say is the divine self or the divine spark, or they call it the monad, and sometimes they call it the, the Christ within, that aspect of all of us seeks its own articulation or embodiment. And so their teaching of embodiment is really about becoming who we truly are at the cost of the ideas that we've walked around it, you know, mm -hmm. and around with that, you know, say we're not allowed to have this or be that. That's my understanding right now. Hmm. Yeah, I had a ceremony earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I think it was earlier this year. Um, and something that the medicine was saying or that source was saying mm -hmm was that I didn't, I didn't know what embodiment meant and mm -hmm. that I was having this activation where this light was like entering my body. And it was like my, it was almost, if what I understood it to be was like my spirit soul merging with my body mm -hmm. and, um, which was also like the feminine and the masculine. And a message that also came through was basically that there's, no shame or guilt of a body that it's mm -hmm. like the soul's chance to be here. And I think that maybe before I was putting all emphasis on soul and not, not no emphasis on yeah. the body getting to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a lot of teachings, you know, out there and we've inherited them that says, you know, the body is corrupt or it's low mm -hmm. or it's base and spirit is high. And, and, uh, you know, if the body is not of God, then, what else is? Do you understand that? So yeah. that's an important understanding to come to. I struggle with it still, but mm -hmm. I understand it. When the guides teach in their workshops, they work with the energy and the body in very direct ways so people can feel it and have an experience mm -hmm. of the body in, in emanation or in a higher higher frequency if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's true. You know, the, so the body is the opportunity. Yeah. to know ourselves and to learn through. It's the, one of the vehicles that we experience all this through. Mm -hmm. But the guide said, you know, we're not stuck just with this. There are other levels of awareness that we can come to. You can do it through something like plant medicine. You know, um, that's not been my path, but the guides are teaching how to align to that level of consciousness through, mm -hmm. you know, through through their teaching, which is a teaching of really invocation and co-resonance and alignment with what they say is already present that we've just been ignoring and denying. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we talk about separating God from things like the body, mm -hmm. uh, you've said before, it was either you or a guide saying you don't get to cherry pick what is of God, that God yeah. is all things. And my struggle there is applying that to things like sex trafficking and racism mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that. So, yeah. Is that something you struggle with or where have you come to an well, understanding? My understanding is that that's us. We do those things. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So all of those things I expect would be out picturings of fear. And mm -hmm. fear's act, if I understand this, is to deny the divine. You know, the action of fear is to claim more fear. So these things, when people do awful things, you know, but the human being is still of source because nobody cannot be outside of it, whether or not you think you are, you're part of it. But that doesn't mean you can't act in denial of it. So the guides have said, and it's a lot of the teaching of the newest book, that the only real problem humanity faces is the denial of the divine. 
You know, what you put in darkness, who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. So the way to solve these problems, I suspect, or these challenges isn't necessarily by attacking them. The guides would say it's about renowing the inherent presence of the divine where it has been denied and ignored, and then reconciling that to source. But I've never heard them say, they've never said murder is an act of God. You know, right. they've never heard them say it once, but they've said the murderer is of God has just, just forgotten or denied it. Hmm. The act itself is an outpicturing of the denial of the divine. You don't kill what you know to be holy. Yeah, so it's um, maybe like the sex trafficking is um, a lower form. It's like um, sexuality in its lowest form where it's coming out in this dysfunctional way because there's shame around it or whatever trauma around it. Mm -hmm. And our work would be to try to merge sexuality and spirituality and bring it to a higher function is yeah. basically the only way i guess that i well, I've learned healed. that's how something gets healed by yeah. you bring back to source mm -hmm. and you stop excluding it from source mm -hmm. now i suppose anybody can run with that and sort of create all kinds of systems and say well it's up god so you might as well just do it but we're accountable to our actions, all of us, you know, and, um, you know, I try to keep it pretty simple, you know, and when they teach, you know, what you damn damns you back, mm -hmm. they're teaching co-resonance, you know, who you put in darkness or what I put in darkness calls me to that level of vibrational alignment. Mm -hmm. so I'd say we're living in an octave. This is a vibration. And then, you know, they don't, they don't want to talk about dimensions. They'll talk about octaves and keys on a keyboard, you know, mm -hmm. and they say there's low notes and high notes in an octave. And the world that we know is comprised of those tones. And what they're doing is lifting us in their teachings to the higher, to the next octave up, which they call the upper room. And they say, when you start to align at that level, you're no longer operating in fear because you're not in alignment to it. Mm -hmm. And when you're not in alignment to it, you're not making choices in it, not contributing to it. And from that level of alignment, they say, you can reclaim what has been put in darkness or what has been left in shadow, what has been denied the light. So you become the light that shines in other things to reconcile those things to the light. Not, it's not about fixing things, and it's not about, um, I don't know that it's about making things better the way we say they should be. It's mm. about knowing things, again, as of source that have been put outside of it. I, um, I mean, I understand the teaching sort of practically at this point. Mm -hmm. I know what happens to me when I'm angry and frightened and, you know, blaming people. Mm -hmm. And the guide said in a few books ago, they said, you know, we're at a time now where everything that's been hidden is being brought to the light and it's being brought mm -hmm. to the light to be reseen, to be reconciled, to be seen anew, to be brought to a higher level, not so we can point fingers and, you know, make it worse because that doesn't heal anything. And mm -hmm. I think this is true about the pieces of ourselves that have been denied light, those parts of ourselves that are in shame or have been traumatized or have been so hurt, you know, that they hide from truth. Mm -hmm. So when the truth is brought forward there, it offers an opportunity for healing. And the guides say nothing really gets healed until it's first seen. 
Mm -hmm. It's not about bypassing. It's not about pretending. This isn't a a feel-good New Age teaching. Yeah. It's never been that. I kind of wish it were someday. easier, but it's not. You know, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm not a guru. I'm the guy that takes the dictation. And when I do interviews like this, I have to try to, you know, as best I can sort of re-speak it in my own words because mm-hmm. they're much better than I am and it's their teaching but you know everything 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 has to be seen as opportunity for positive growth you know mm-hmm. and that we're stuck in our crap and we'll just keep recycling it until we're all dead you know yeah yeah on that so in this last year, and I know you spoke on, you know, how you had to uproot from New York. I know a lot of people are being stripped from a lot of things. Things, my, um, I guess, confusion here is that some of these things aren't necessarily things that aren't good for us. They may not be bad for us. I know for me, and this year alone, um, you know, my my previous podcast dissolved. Um, I had to get rid of my entire library because our house had mold and all of our mm-hmm. furniture. Uh, you know, stripped from everything and, you know, a 10 year friendship. So do you feel like maybe sometimes it's just to throw us out of certainty and out of our comfort zone? Well, yeah, I think I would say that. Yeah. But I think it's also, it shows us where we're so attached to an idea of who we are and how things are supposed to be. Mm. You know, the book Alchemy, which came out last year was, was written before all this happened you know, was channeled at that time. And it really does speak to the times that we're in. And, you know, they said you have to befriend the unknown. They said mm. the path is lit as you walk it and not a moment before. And we've come from this idealization of certainty and, and privilege, I think, that that gets born out of. Things will be as I say, because this is the way the world is supposed to work. Mm. I mean, when I was a kid, and I'm older than you, you know, you sort of were, you sort of were, I guess, expected that if you went to college, you'd get a job, you know, and you'd be able to support yourself. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. Things are very, very different. And that's a very different world. And I think who we are and what we believe as a culture and as probably the guys would say as a species is being called under a new spotlight, because according to them, if we keep going on the way we've been going, we're going to probably end ourselves. Now, what the guides have said, which gives me hope, is they say that humanity or the species that we are has decided to make it through this and in a higher way. And really what we're doing is we're being invited to to claim a life in a higher way than we have before and also claim parts of ourselves that have abilities that we didn't know we were allowed to have. When I was 25, you know, I was a year out of Yale. I was a playwright. I was getting produced in New York and London. I thought everything was great. I was also a total mess. Mm -hmm. And I found myself um, suddenly, you know, having this experience of spirit or whatever you want to call it and on this very different path and i also sort of lost everything Mm -hmm. and the sense of who i was and who i thought i was supposed to be and what was making itself known was a very different life than i would have chosen for myself Mm -hmm. outside of the old prescriptions of what things were supposed to be like and who i should be based on my ideals or values of 
you know, what was important, my values kind of stank in retrospect, but I certainly didn't know that, you know, mm -hmm. I was being the kind of person I thought well, somebody would want to be, mm -hmm. you know, in those days I had, you know, my platinum, my platinum blonde Billy Idol hair and a lot of, <laughs> that, a lot of drugs and, you know, a lot of partying and, you know, it wasn't going to end well. You know, I actually woke up and got sober at a time, it was the height of the AIDS epidemic, and people that I knew were dying all around me, and people oh. my age. And if you talk about a world sort of rocking, it was my world was completely rocked. There was no certainty, and suddenly I was out of school. I had no money. I didn't know what I was going to do, and I really didn't know who I was. Suddenly I was believing that there might be something like God which everybody thought was just nuts. If they knew mm -hmm. me, I would have agreed with them. I was the last, I was the least likely candidate for that. But when you talk about all the loss that you've been through, sometimes we get rerouted. Mm -hmm. And the rerouting isn't always comfortable, but I think it has great potential if we begin to see it that way. The guides I work with said in the book of mastery, you cannot be a master and a victim at the same time doesn't work you can't have them both you know mm. for me it's easier to think of myself as a victim because i can be comfortable in that role yeah it's just not my fault it's all happening at me or to me but if i can reframe it enough to say what can i learn through this what might mm. the opportunity be here then i'm i'm being taught by my experience and the guides i work with say you know your life becomes your teacher this is a classroom. That's what this is. We're here to learn. Yeah, that's so good. That's something I'm really working on is the re reframing um, and master over victim. It's especially hard with the books. I had all of yours, you know, like having to get rid of all my books so that were my refuge. But instead of thinking I'm being stripped, I can think I'm being rerouted or I'm being cleansed. Um, I've had four since my 36th birthday in December, four and very close encounters with death and at first it was like why why does it feel like death is coming for me and then i i really worked on reframing to wow i'm really protected mm -hmm. you know to have such close encounters and and come out okay um you talk a lot also about our knowing and mm -hmm. i wanted to know how we can align more to our knowing well, the guides say you can't make yourself know, but you can align to it. And by aligning to it, you're aligning to the aspect of you that already knows. And you can say that's like listening to your heart or your intuitive self. The guides have said the small self, which is the personality structure, thinks. The small self thinks and the true self knows. They also say that the true self is never afraid. And if you look at any time in your life when you truly knew something, I knew the relationship was over, I knew I got the job, I knew it wasn't going to end well, whatever it might be. Anytime you, if you go back to those times and what it felt like, you'll probably find that you were never afraid in those mm. moments. The fear comes about what am I going to do next or what's going to happen next, which is back to the unknown. So the guides in most of the books speak to this. And, you know, there are different claims they work with. One is, you know, I am in my knowing, as if knowing is a, an alignment that you can come to. When I read for people or I do my work, I'm aligning to knowing. I'm not trying to figure it out because I can't. It's not logical the way what I do and the way that I work when I work as a psychic. But for whatever reasons, I know. 
you know, and it's, it's actually, there's no effort in knowing. You can't make it happen, mm-hmm. but you can invite it in, you know, and I think some of knowing comes when we let go of our presupposition about what's supposed to be. So if I think I'm supposed to have an answer and my answer is, well, this was my answer. Like and I, when I was back in New York, I was living in this apartment building. It was a nice building. I never was happy there. I had three different apartments in the same you know, building. I've never liked any of them. Mm. I kept thinking, I should like this. This is a decent apartment. I can afford it. And finally, I went, you know what? Get an apartment someplace else that you really like. And I got a dream apartment, you know, in Manhattan in the village. And I signed the lease like March 1st for April 1st move-in date, something like that. And then I was in Costa Rica. I never spent a night in that apartment. (laughs) My, my assistant, Dustin, lived there, well, he had lived there for 10 months. He had a great time. I hope he enjoyed it. But, you know, somebody had to live there. It was being paid for. I was living in a tiny house on Maui with a hot plate when I first got there. And I have to say, I was so happy. You mm. know, I wasn't surrounded by the familiar. And I suddenly began to realize that I was being given an opportunity for a life that I would not have known to ask for. Mm. what I would have asked for would have resembled what I thought I was supposed to have. Yeah. Very, very different because we were all, the guides I work with say, you know, we're always ordering off of the menu of what we think we can have or what we're allowed. And that menu is mostly inherited. You know, I should want a happy marriage, healthy children, great career, you know, nice place to live, whatever those things are. But life, you know, throws us curveballs. And I think we learn through these things. I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life, you know, and mm. it's a great change. And I'm always surprised that that's the case and that it came not through my saying, give me what I want to make me happy. But, and it's something that the guides talk about. They say, you know, you start to go to a place where you stop asking for what you want and you start receiving, you know, mm. there's the assumption perhaps that God or whatever source is, whatever you want to call it, the universe knows before we know and knows more than we know, you know, and I was like, give me what I want now, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes we get it and then we usually find out it doesn't make us very happy. Mm. So that's so good. That makes me really happy that you're so happy. Um, <laughs> The part about the fear, so Aubrey, you know, our mutual friend, Aubrey Marcus, um, wrote a post a few weeks ago that said when one is, um, oh no, you you say when one is in one's knowing, one is never afraid. Aubrey Marcus said um, how if you're afraid of something, that's the medicine you need. So how can we feel into whether the fear is a healthy one or not? Well, if we have a fear, there's something that we're denying the divine in, so it can become our teacher. Now, the guides say fear is a teacher. It's just not the best teacher there is. Mm. So the guides make a real distinction between fear and prudence. And prudence, in some ways, is like common sense. So if, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I want to go ice skating and I go in the pond says thin ice, I'm probably best not to go skating. And I don't need to, I don't need to fall through the ice to learn that I can choose to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't mean I always have to be frightened to skate. Do you understand? Yeah. So I think, you know, what I'm afraid of becomes an opportunity to move beyond it. 
you know, if, if I'm willing to confront it. The guys that I work with talk more about rising above, and that doesn't mean bypassing. It means sort of moving to a level where you're not in reaction through the old tapes and the old systems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the small self, they say, knows itself through history. So I was a bullied, chubby, gay kid. You know, that's mm-hmm. who I was. And so I carry some of that around still, and I have expectations of harm mm. that don't hurt, that don't help me at all. And what I finally learned to do was to not be operating from those fears, which allows me to have wonderful friendships and, you know, a, a, a broader life mm-hmm. than my personality self says, no, don't do that. You should be afraid of people. People can hurt you. You understand that? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not pretending, I'm not denying, but I often have to walk through the uncomfortability of change, you know, on the way up. You know, mm-hmm. don't really get to pretend it's not there. If you've created it or if you've been in alignment to it, it's yours. You're putting energy into it. What your consciousness goes to, you're in vibrational accord with. Mm-hmm. The guys, when they first started teaching that, I was really confused by it. And I said, well, does that mean, it doesn't mean that like I created the war in the Middle East. And they said, no, you didn't create the war in the Middle East, but you're in accord to it because it's part of your experience. Your vibration is informing it and how you think about that thing actually mm. forms the very structure or matter of it, which means we're more powerful than we know, you know, and how mm. that's when they talk about blessing and damning, you know, what you bless blesses you in return, what you damn damns you back. I can deny God in anything I want to, but then that's my experience of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to apply that um, to a situation of mine as well. I feel really called to step away from my image-based career Mm -hmm. and just do healing work. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sessions with people, they get full-on trauma releases, they're very productive, Mm -hmm. and I feel so Mm -hmm. fulfilled to be a part of their healing journey. Mm -hmm. But because it can sometimes be a struggle to book enough sessions to provide for my kids Montessori and you know Mm -hmm. our expenses there's that little fear there and I know for sure that this is my highest function I know that I get downloads from the fifth dimension and Mm -hmm. I know that this is my calling but because that little fear is still there uh am I not fully in my knowing no I don't think so but I think some some of its practicality Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was a college teacher for 25 years, and I was hearing for about three years from my guides that it would be good for me to move on from that. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in my 50s. I'm not going to let go of retirement and benefits and insurance. Are you kidding me? But I waited until I had some assurance mm-hmm. that I could manage and I have a better life now, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not the life that I knew. I get my own insurance. That's the difference. You know, I put mm-hmm. my own money into retirement. But I was very locked into a system. But I also lived in New York. And I've been very poor in my life. You know, and my 20s were hard. My early mm-hmm. 30s were really rough. And it got better in time. But I also learned a lot of lessons about trusting source through that period but that also that doesn't mean you know being cavalier i've done readings for people that says 
well, I'm, you know, losing my house because I can't pay the mortgage, but I know God will provide. I said, well, what are you doing on your own behalf? They said, well, I'm calling you up and you should put the money towards your mortgage payment. You know, I mean, do what you can do practically as well. Yeah. That doesn't mean you won't have that other career. It just means you might want to make sure that you're able to support yourself as you're renegotiating that reality. You yeah. know, that's my, my understanding of that. Other yeah. people, I'm sure, would disagree. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's a funny story. I think it's fitting of a guy going up to that statue of Jesus in Brazil every day and asking to win the lotto. And after like the 200th time, the statue looks down and goes, will you please just buy a ticket? <laughs> so, um, like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Um, so for those of us, those who are listening, and for me as well, who have the abilities that come with hearing from guides mm-hmm. or, um, you know, getting these downloads, but sometimes they're on and sometimes they're off. Mm-hmm. Is that something to do with um, that knowing or embodiment or, or why are they sometimes on and off? Well, you mean the information that you receive being accurate or not? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of good psychics, you know. Oh, no, sorry, not, not accurate. That might be a, a good a question too, but more like why do we sometimes hear from them and then sometimes they just don't come through? Well, I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you something. I, uh, I was doing a book signing once in Asheville. This is about seven years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking and some guy raised his hand and he said, well, are we going to hear from the guides? And no. the guides came through and they said, we are not the entertainment. No. <laughs> so I was shocked, but that's what they said. They're not the entertainment. That's so, so funny. My deal with them, you know, because of the nature of the work that I do with them is if I show up for a session, I'm counting on them showing up as well. That's how mm-hmm. the book gets, that's how the books happen, you know, it's mm-hmm. a sort of mutual agreement that they're going to be prepared for this thing. But, you know, when I want this stuff for myself, I'm not necessarily the person I want to go to. So mm-hmm. I don't really read for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends that I trade with who I trust. Um, I do get information for myself, but it's not necessarily what I'm going to want to hear. Mm-hmm. And when the ego has an investment in outcome, it's more challenging. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's different reasons. I suppose some of it's alignment. You know, if mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I had a channel this morning and I woke up with a sugar hangover and I said to the people online, I said, I don't know if this is going to happen, that I got a sugar hangover. And the guides came through fine. They totally overrode my own resistance and my sluggishness and they gave a good teaching Mm. but you know i was i've been at this a long time now and i've Mm -hmm. refined or they've refined my system i did a group that met in my apartment for 18 years and i was developed through those years of sitting Mm -hmm. in a circle and being receptive and i do think that for people that are opening up it's not like you turn on the faucet and the water's always going to run. You actually have to clear out the faucet and maybe mm. dig well a bit deeper and let your guides work with you to develop you so that you can be refined enough as a, as a broadcaster, as a radio, mm. a radio to be able to, to take the dictation. That makes and sense. people are different. When I was first opening up, I heard a few things in those really early years when I, I – oh, when I think the first one I ever heard was the voice telling me basically to stop drinking. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, but when I imagine, and that came after I started praying for the first time in my life, 
was like, what the hell is this? But when I think of how hard it probably must have been to get through to me, my identity, you know, I must have taken like a bomb dropping, you know, to get through to, to, to get my attention. Mm-hmm. And now it's not as hard. There's less interference, there's less density, and I've, I've developed some, so I have some skill. And I think keep doing what you're doing, and that's what that's going to become your teacher. I don't yeah. know what else say, but it's the practice of it that supports this. That's really good. Yeah, sometimes uh, it's like someone will be talking, and all of a sudden the voice is louder than them and saying what's really um, yeah. what they're really saying. Um, yeah. And then other times there's just nothing. And I think I think my lesson there is. Uh, First of all, I love how sassy the guides are, um, but my lesson there is how you talked about showing up, um, me showing up, maybe trusting that that truth is within me as well. Uh-huh. And then um, and then, like you said, more um, clearing the, the pipe. Um, but I'm also now curious what you were going to say about the, like if sometimes the messages are off and the way I've always thought of it as how in the matrix when she tells him he's not the one, but it's so that he'll do what needs to be done. And it may not have been the truth, but it's what he needed to hear. That I don't know that I agree with. Um, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, I've two times in my life did I say something that I wasn't hearing. And once was mm-hmm. for somebody who I thought was going to harm themselves if they heard the truth about a mm-hmm. relationship. And I made the choice to say, I don't want to be party to this person, you know, harming herself. Mm-hmm. So I will, and I regretted it, you know, and it, you know, there's backlash. So I'm, I'm very careful when I work. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think that everybody's at a hundred percent. I used to have a dear friend who's crossed, who was a wonderful psychic. And sometimes she'd say my antenna's bent, you know, mm-hmm. she's just my antenna's bent this week. Maybe it's the astrology. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. And then when she was back on track, she was back on track. Sometimes when I'm shifting and I'm opening up to a new level, it's kind of like going through turbulence in a plane. You know, you need to settle into the new level to, to, to hear well and get comfortable again mm-hmm. with the information, you know, and how it, how it comes. Because the way that I work now, there's little resemblance to how it was when I started. I mean, I close mm-hmm. my eyes and they deliver whole books through me. I used to hear fragments of sentences. You know, it's a whole different thing. And that just comes because it got developed. So, you know, I, I have to remember when I'm working with somebody, you know, the reading's not for me, it's for them. Mm-hmm. It may not be what I think is accurate, but I need to, to do the reportage. And, um, and then I have to leave it at that. You know, I have to do my best to stay in my integrity as the one doing the reading, and that's my job. You know, it's not about impressing somebody else, or and certainly it's not about giving them what they want or expect, because that's, you know, cause for problems. Yeah. Um, I'm curious also if, because you're open to these octaves, um, if you've had things that you don't want to be available for try to ask you for your service. Like I've had, um, because, you know, through trauma from my childhood, I had a rip in my aura. And since as early as three, I've had, um, souls that have passed on show up to me Mm -hmm. and ask me to tell people stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
it used to really scare me. And then, you know, even just last year, uh, this man that had passed kept trying to wake me up and he wanted me to be basically like a medium for him. And it was really an aggressive spirit. And I know that being a medium is not my highest function, but there's something to that. um, I guess that I don't understand the spiritual realm fully, but you being available like that, um, that opens you up to that. I agree. I have a dear friend who's a very, very good psychic. And she said, you know, it's basically because of the trauma that we've undergone that we're so receptive. Yeah. That's part of what allowed for this to happen. And, you know, I go, okay, that makes sense. And she's, you know, she's done her research on this, you know, and she's, she swears by it. And I actually don't disagree with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how I know, I, you know, I don't get a lot of dead folks when I read, I'm a medium for the living. So mm-hmm. if you're strange from a friend, I can probably hear your friend, but if your friend's on the other side, I can tune into your friend as he or she was. Mm-hmm. Body. You know, sometimes I get the messages from the other side, but mostly I'm working with the guides and they're, yeah. they're a little bit, you know, that's just a different level of, of vibration. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a real wonderful ability that many people have. It's spiritual mediumship. You know, um, I had a medium tell me once when I said, why aren't I getting more dead people? He said, your, your guides are funny. They put up some velvet ropes around you so that everybody just can't get in and talk. Mm. And what I tend to tell people that are opening up, by way of of prudence again, not fear, is just because somebody's on the other side doesn't mean they have anything worthwhile to say. You know, Mm. my grandma was married maybe four times. She's probably not who I want to go to on the other Mm. side for relationship advice, you Mm. know. You know, I don't know, it would be very high advice. I'm sure she'd have things to say. Mm-hmm. And I tend to tell people to be conscious of messages that are invoking fear. Mm. I hear people saying, my guides are telling me about the terrible plots to blah, blah, blah. I go, that's probably low level. It's probably astral. My guides are mm-hmm. on that. That's not their agenda. Yeah. Here. Their agenda is our being in choice and our operating in truth and you know, it's not wishy-washy stuff, but they're not mm-hmm. fear-mongering. And the other thing I tend to be conscious of is, you know, flattery. You know, when somebody says, I have a voice telling me that I am the only one and this is the only thing that's going to save humanity. It's like, you know, that's because yeah. that's appealing to the ego, which yeah. is low. And that's mm-hmm. one of the ways, you know, that kind of energy can sort of attach. But really, if you have that ability, it's another ability. It's another, you know, color in your paint kit that you can learn the skill. Yeah, I've never, um, except for with my ancestors, I've never wanted to be open to it. I've always wanted to just um, receive downloads from higher consciousness. Um, But I understand, though, that that is a really high function as well, um, being able to be a medium. So... I know when I do my um, practices in the evening or when I do uh, this type of work, it's very stimulating for me. And I've heard from a lot of others that it is for them too. Almost like, um, I don't know if, if this is relatable, but almost like after an orgasm, you're like too stimulated. You don't want to be touched. That's yeah. how I feel often after spiritual work. And so I can't do it in the evening. Um, what has been your tool for like coming down from that or being ground, staying grounded? 
Well, what, what am I missing? <laughs> well, what you're, what you're describing is something that my friend used to call psychic burn, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll often say if I've been channeling, I can hear a pin drop three rooms away and I'll jump out of my skin. Yeah. And my nerves are wide open. And I think it's because the nervous system is, is one of the tools we're working with mm -hmm. when we're, you know, tuning into other people and bringing the energy through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things I do isn't good, which is I eat. You know, and that's, you know, it's a way for me to ground and I'd be better mm -hmm. off taking a walk to get grounded. Body work is helpful. There's a lot of things people do. But, you know, I, I don't, I always used to, you know, I do events in the evening still, you know. Uh, I'm rarely that wired from them as I used mm -hmm. to be. But I think what happens is you get used to it. You acclimate to it. But when mm -hmm. I, when I'm doing a book, um, I, I had people here a couple of weeks ago for five days and the guides delivered about 80 to 100 pages in front of them. So it was like three hours a day of just dictation, you know, over the course of a day. And I have to say, I'm still not recovered from it. You yeah. know? I'm just, I mean, I feel, you know, it's kind of you walk around feeling like you've been skinned, you know, and it's just your nerves are just sort of shot. Yeah. And, you know, I think my responsibility to myself and yours to yourself is to find out what works in terms of self-care. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, you may remember that at the end of every show, I ask a little uh, three lightning round questions. But before I ask those, um, you in the past have channeled my partner and said that he's the guy that remembers to bring home the milk, that it's not going to blow up in my face. And still with that partner, he does remember to bring home the milk. Okay. <laughs> um, you channeled my daughter, uh, who seemed to like come out of the womb, not trusting me. And, um, I listened to what you and the guide said, and, um, our relationship has grown a lot closer and more warmer. So I'm very thankful. Um, I was wondering if I could ask about the other two kids in this house, um, the boys, and see mm -hmm. if any messages come through on them. Okay. I would need a name and an age. So full name, yeah. name if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. So um, is 10. And the question I have about him is that there's some, he's my boyfriend's son, but we live in mm -hmm. the same home. Yeah there's some sort of disconnect between us and I can tell that we both trigger each other very, yeah. very much as soon as we're in the room, yeah. but I haven't gone to the root of it. I know yeah. it's, I don't think it's jealousy. Mm -hmm. um, I know that for me, it's been hard to step into the role of mm -hmm. nurturer. I'm also the third mm -hmm. girlfriend in the home. So yeah. I don't know if he trusts me, but there's a lot of sneakiness, lying, really defiance, disrespect, yeah. bullying to my kids. So it also makes it hard for me to not be triggered and to be warm. This oh. is also, of course, not what I want. So yeah, yeah. I mean, when I tuned into him, I just the first thing I heard was he's a thug, and I didn't hear that with any judgment. He's like a little thug, you know. He's a little thug. <laughs> yeah a tough guy and mm -hmm. what i was feeling him doing that was the face i was making mm -hmm. he's just going to claim the space and he's going to claim the space without you because mm -hmm. that's how he knows to stay in control i think this is less about you being in there than about exclusivity and his sort of being in control and he looks up to his father and sort of shakes his head no and rolls his eyes he looks to yeah. you he gets that you're there i don't feel that this is really personal to you Mm -hmm. But I think he's the one he wants to, you know, he wants to rule the roost. 
Oh, and so you're there. That's all. But, you know, but it's not, it's not a, let me go to you to him and see what's up. So say great. your first name for me. I'm okay hearing anything bad about me if it needs to be said. It's say your Jane, whole name. Jade Bryce. You say, I'm not going to tell him what I really feel because I don't want him to hate me. That's yeah. what I heard from you. I'm not going to be the one in trouble. And you do this with your partner. Yeah. So you're kind of just sort of sitting there in the corner, feeling a little sorry for yourself, like you're playing with your peas on the plate. Yeah. You know, you're not eating. You're just playing, toying with your food. Yeah. I hear he needs to be talked to as a human being. That way he'll hear you that way and not as, you know, your boyfriend's son, as a human being. Mm. And it's almost, I almost want to say, this is how this feels for me. How does this feel for you? Mm. And I think it's a surprising potential conversation. I mean, you're talking to a kid. You don't need to give your give the kid all your authority. Mm-hmm. But right now, you come through a little frightened of his reactions. Yeah, I am. That's sort of informing the household dynamic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The other kid, please. So is six and he has psychic abilities as well um he can see colors he's um very sensitive he has the antennas and i've seen the antennas on him but he really struggles struggles with anger and um, let me just tune in okay. okay he's in charge of everybody he says i'm in charge of everybody so this kid knows exactly what he's doing I, I mean, I honestly feel that this kid is kind of running everything. He's different than the other one. The other one's all about territory mm-hmm. and what was what. This kid is just in charge. So what's your question about him? It just feels like he has so much pent-up anger and rage, and I don't know if it's from not being with his father, but my hunch is that it's a part of that male bloodline. Uh, and then also the sensitivity to all the people around him. Yeah. And I'm just curious how I can... I guess in I think it's about his father. I think I, mean, I think you nailed, and I do think that's what the anger is about. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to dissipate this anger, I actually hear with this kid, is humor. That works well. Okay. And because I think he's surprised by that, and I think he likes to laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he likes to be surprised by that, and it's almost a way to provoke another response when he's off onto the anger thing. Mm. Um, I hear he'll get through this. He needs to address the anger. Mm -hmm. I think that will happen in time. I hear make it easy for him if you can. Laugh with him about what's funny, about what's funny, and bring him along in the laughter you hold. Just find the humor in this. There's humor to be found. That's what I get. That is so, um, so amazing. And one of my first ayahuasca ceremonies, I was told by the medicine that he was going to be some sort of healer through humor. That was going to be his medicine. And without him knowing that, his dream job, he says, is to stand on stage and make people laugh. So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) So in alignment. So thank you so much for those messages. I can support them. Um, All right, so there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Don't be so afraid. That's been your answer every time. Really? How interesting. Yeah, Yeah, don't be so afraid. 
If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? I can't answer that. I know it's hard. <laughs> I don't think there's one thing, there's one book for everybody. I mean, I don't think it works that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to answer that. What about a book that um, maybe has really um, worked for you? You know, when I was when I was young and 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 an early recovery, I liked Emmett Fox, who wrote um, in the twenties. He was a new thought writer. Um, he wrote a book called Sermon on the Mount, which was sort of mm -hmm. a mystical, you know, new thought teaching, which I guess are, you know, the guides work with similar ideas, but so do a lot of other people. So, um, but I don't read a lot of spiritual stuff because since the books started coming through me, I just try to keep it clear. Yes. So I recommend like my favorite novel, you know, which would mm -hmm. be something nobody would want to read except, you know, <laughs> Somebody who wants a gloomy Saturday afternoon with a good book, you know. Yeah. Read Carson McCullers. That's what I would say. Okay, that makes perfect sense. All right, if you could whisper one phrase to everyone, everyone on the planet, what would it be? Stop telling yourself you're not worthy of love. Mm, that's really good. All right, how can people connect with you and um, find out how to work with you? Well, the, uh, my website is just my name. It's paulselig.com. And there's online workshops. I do uh, an intensive online every month. And most Wednesday evenings I'm channeling. And I'm going to start touring again. I may be in Austin, actually. Wow, so, um, yeah. So, you know, that's all that information is up online. And the books you can get online are in bookstores, um, you know. And um, they're all available and on audiobook as well. Yeah, I love the audio versions, especially. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you for having me. I appreciate well, it. Thank you in Austin. Okay, absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. Well, now I'm all stimulated and I have to figure out it's nine o'clock at night, so I have to figure out how to wind down from this conversation because it was very activating for me. I felt an activation from him and. I had goosebumps throughout most of the conversation, so um, going to get some sleepy time tea and figure out what winds me down after these things. Um, so I wanted to offer a little exercise that I learned from Paul uh, at his workshop that I attended here in Austin. Uh, I highly recommend that you sign up for his newsletters because you'll not only get information about if he does a workshop in your area, but he also does um, like pay as you can little Zoom calls that are amazing and he answers questions and the guides come through, of course. <coughs> um, so I highly recommend getting on his, on his email list. And I especially love listening to his audiobooks because I feel the activation as I listen to it. So it is very stimulating, but I wanted to um, offer you this tool that I learned in his workshop. So basically you put your hands in front of you and they're side by side with your palms facing your body. So they're out in front of your chest, palms facing your body, and you just um, circle them around each other. So I, I hope that makes sense 
Um, you're you're going to, your palms are staying facing you and your hands are just circling around each other to where you're making like um, almost like a wheel, you know? And you're going to say something that is like a, something that isn't of the ego. Like um, we can say, God is within all of us. And notice how your hands stay the same. Nothing changes. Then say, God is only in me. Did you see how your hands slowed down and got heavy? So you can continue to do that with different examples of stuff that would be of the ego and um, or, you know, um, of fear or lower consciousness and then things that are of, um, you know, that are con con higher consciousness and, and of spirit and, um, and see the difference in your hands to, it's so crazy. Like, uh, for me, it's a drastic difference. It's like fast and light, and then it's heavy and slow and that's energy. You're feeling a light energy and a dense heavy energy and like to me that is just it's so cool um if you didn't feel a difference sometimes with things like that or muscle testing it's because um we haven't built up a listening relationship to our body we tune out we don't listen to it um we lie to it things like that and so there's a disconnect there but for the like majority of people, I believe that that um, exercise works. If it didn't work, then maybe tap into that message and feel where maybe you're not connected to your body, you're not listening to your body, um, where you may have tuned it out. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. Paul is one of my favorite people to interview. And it's not just because I get to hear from guides. It is because of who he is. He, he just lights me up. He makes me so happy. He's hilarious. I don't know if you could tell on this show, but he is so funny and, um, I love his sass and I'm just so thankful to still have him in my life and for you guys to sit in on this conversation. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please leave a review and, and be, you know, specific to this episode and tell me what you thought. Um, it would mean so much to me if you would do that. And if you would share this episode with a friend, you can also join me on Instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember that you belong here. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.